Support for WRFA is brought to you by Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union. As a local community resource, Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union is committed to providing its members with the professional financial services they have come to expect. Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union provides credit union membership to people who live, work, worship, attend school, do business, and any other entities within Chautauqua County. For more information, including how to become a member, call or text 716-665-7000 or visit them on the web at 665-7000.com. And again, you're listening to Community Matters. We sat down with County Executive P.J. Wendell for our monthly chat that included discussing some of the points of his State of the County address. We also discussed some of the updates with COVID as well as changes in county government. We have Chautauqua County Executive P.J. Wendell in the studio with us. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. So last night you gave your State of the County address to the county legislature. And while we just heard that address prior to this interview here on Community Matters, could you recap what you think are some of the most important points that you made? in that address? Well, I think some of the, the, the key points are what we found economically. So we do have a lot of economic drivers that are happening. Um, you know, recovery has been, as I said, you know, we stated our comeback will be greater than a setback and we've noticed that. Um, so it's really exciting. And the fact that we've put additional monies into the fund balance the last two years, last year about $4.5 million, this year about $8.5 million. There are um, we do have a department that submitted a budget to the state. So if that's reimbursed, which it will be, um, that's another 1.6 million. So in essence, we're looking at over $10 million actually going in to our fund balance. And what's important is, you know, we have increased over the last several years that fund balance to bring it to about 10% of our actual budget, which is right in the mid range of our financial management plan. That management plan said between five and 15% of the actual budget. So we're doing well. You know, we are seeing trends like this as I talk to other county executives across the state, but for a small little county here in Western New York, we're doing a great job. We look at the investment that the IDA has made or, or rather investments made in our county with the help of the IDA, securing about 315 or 300 plus new jobs, 1,750 jobs retained, and that's what people forget is not only are we looking at bringing in new jobs, but keeping the jobs that we have here. Because a lot of people don't realize some of these corporations could move out. Why do they stay here? Why do they choose to stay here? Um, there are some things that are happening we can't talk about. In fact, I just left uh, you know Mark Geis's office today downtown, and there's a lot of you know projects we still have that we can't discuss yet. So. Um, you know, Murphy's Law is you don't talk until it's the ink is dried and the keys have been handed over because sometimes things can unravel. Uh, but that's most important. I think, you know, we look at the ARPA funding, how we spent that. And then my, my look at the future. We're reimagining county government and we're not looking at it to a way to reduce anything, but we're looking at it to make it more efficient. And sometimes, it, it, for example, a DPF, you know, we had the, the retirement and resignation of Brad Bentley. When we started looking at this, you know, to, to ask that of a new person coming in, having about eight different departments answering to one person, that's a lot to ask. And what we found now is we want to put the expertise in those who are running those different departments. So, uh, you know, a lot of moving pieces. We're looking at reimagining government as far as, you know, how do we make it most efficient? across the board. And then we look at, you know, the three focuses of my campaign and, and what my administration is considering. 
is, uh, you know, safe communities, you know, increasing the, the reason for people to move here to Chautauqua County, investing in our uh, in infrastructure and our future. You know, the infra- our future is our infrastructure. If you build it, they will come. Uh, you know, criticized, you know, during my debates that, you know, the sewer expansion project is only for a handful of wealthy people from Pittsburgh or Cleveland. We demonstrated yesterday, and I just left again another meeting with Tom Walsh, 700 customers will reduce the amount of wastewater going into our aquifer and the watershed by 54 million gallons. Those pieces are huge. Not to mention, you know, people remember, trying to lose track somewhere between five and 10 years ago, there was a developer who had a conceptual plan of a big five, six story hotel right there in North Harmony in Stowe, adjacent to Hogan's Hut, and the project never went anywhere because there was no water and there was no sewer. So if we bring that here, we could develop a larger conference center to share in Chautauqua County's ability to be a premier destination for conferences, for vacations, you know, for fun, and then expanding, you know, the area of Stowe, expanding potentially Strunk Road and Fluvanna Avenue over on the north side of Chautauqua Lake. So a lot of opportunity out there, a lot of great things happening, really excited about the things that have happened in the last year. Yes, COVID sort of hangs over us, but shoo that cloud away and let's look at really what's been happening and what we what we want to do in the future. Mm-hmm. There were a few things that, that caught my attention during the address, uh, including the announcement of the rebranding of CARTS or as your CHQ Transit yeah. now. So one of the things you mentioned is that we'll be seeing new branding on buses. So I was wondering, when can we expect that? And you also mentioned construction of a downtown hub in Jamestown. Well, the downtown hub we've allocated funding for. We, we had some state funding. We've got permission from the state. We're looking to be adjacent uh, to City Hall. Right across the street, there was a former service station there. Uh, I'm not sure where that that's going. I know that the city was assisting us as well with some mitigation of maybe possibly underground tanks. Uh, so once we get that, you know, kind of put to bed, then we'll get to you know re you know rebuilding that that hub. Uh, we do want to keep something, you know, down here in downtown Jamestown and rebranding. You know, we want to get away from and unfortunately, because we're not a big city, you know, people think of carts as the elderly, you know, medical runs and in, impoverished people that can't afford other means, which is totally not the case. You know, um, I see people all the time riding carts and we want to get new buses. You know, we just saw one drive by today. You know, it's blue and white. It's nice, but. You know, team buses look like that. And, you know, some buses from the resource center that operate looks quite similar. So how do we add different buses? How do we put, we want to put wraps on the buses. Uh, We're getting three new trolleys to add to our fleet. So having said that, um, we're projecting is is sometime in June, we're hoping. Uh, We are reaching out, but, uh, you know, a lot of that is to once, once we get the projects underway, once we get you know, kind of sign the contracts of what we want to do, um, you know, we'll move forward. But we want to make sure we do it right. We don't want to throw something out there that that isn't going to be thoughtful and understanding and really making the ride more accessible to the riders, but also user friendly and, you know, providing those technological pieces of cashless fare and apps and onboard, uh, you know, whether it's watching, uh, you know, maybe tuning in a direct feed with WRFA and, you know, w- and Western New York News Now <laughs> instead of CNN or, or Fox News. So, again, not really sure what's there, but just providing a, a real unique opportunity for our riders in Chautauqua County. Mm-hmm. Going back to uh, you were talking about the restructuring of how uh, Department of Public Facilities is going to be run with this cabinet of deputy directors. Do you plan to ho- hire an overall 
uh, director of DPF or does the cabinet replace that? We're looking for the cabinet to replace that. Um, what we're finding in some cases is that we we have, uh, for example, the, the previous director was George Spanos before Brad and George had been there for several years. So really understood the interworkings of the DPF and the multiple departments and it was an easy transition for him to come in and understand that. When somebody comes in off the street without that understanding, it's very, very challenging. There's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of responsibility. And, you know, quite honestly, we had some people that had applied for it said, you're asking a lot for that salary. Uh, so, you know, as we look at that position, how can we do the best job and most efficiently? And when you think about it, you know, we've been without an acting, we've had an interim director in Panelise Pantelli, who's done a phenomenal job, but we realized that overall director position hasn't been there since December. You know, we had our most recent electrical outage in, uh, in Mayville where, you know, uh, you know, our, our buildings and grounds team of Drew Rogers, Josh Rothwell did a phenomenal job. Assistance uh, with other departments, uh, Aaron Gustafson from the landfill brought a uh, machine operator in, able to, you know, assist in uh, removing the, the, you know, the cables that were um, damaged by water. So again, it worked together. And, you know, we've seen, I've created cabinets thus far in the county that have really been beneficial to opening things up. And we created the finance cabinet that, you know, was something that, and now Vince Horgan talked about it, hadn't been really conceived yet. I brought it in and now with the finance cabinet, we realized that everyone's working together and now we can restructure finance. One of the first things that Chuck Nazaro said to me, the first night I was sworn in is, let's look at the finance department to make sure we're capturing everything. And COVID hit, so it was just kind of put on the back burner because things kind of overwhelmed us with the crisis and the pandemic. But now we're able to look at it. And as we talked about this in these cabinets, the embrace of the project is like, yeah, we can do this. And it really makes a lot of sense. So excited about you know the cabinet being able to work together and not burdening one individual, but yet letting everybody bring their expertise to the table and coming together. We say this though somewhat with, with bated breath because we don't know, our legal team is looking at it and what is required, you know, whether it's in our charter or by New York State law uh, with that director position. So we are looking at it to make sure we are dotting our I's and crossing our T's. Uh, so again, I think the cabinet position, uh, the cabinet uh, theory or approach is, is something beneficial. That way we all have, uh, you know, a piece of the pie. And, you know, again, you know, spreading the work out, you know, I get the quote, you know, Spreading it out, make you know lighter work. Again, mm -hmm. you know what it is. Yes, I, mean, I know exactly. What yeah, I get they can't think of the name, but I mean, right. we're spreading the work out. It makes it easier for everybody, and it's not one person being bogged down because it it is. That's a lot, you know, with one person. Right, and I was I think I was going over the different areas, and I was trying to think if I got all of them this when I was talking with Jason this morning on the air of how many areas fall under direct Department of Public Facilities. We said we got the landfill. Uh, we got regular, I call it street stuff, you know, plowing mm -hmm. streets and bridges I and mean, bridges. And that, mm -hmm. that alone is all of them yep. in the county. Then there's buildings and grounds and all oh, the airport. And um, am I missing anything? And else? our parks. Oh, oh the parks. Uh, landfill. The landfill. landfill. And there's a couple of different, mm -hmm. there's a couple of small pieces. Like, you know, one of the things we found out is these earthen dams we have in the Conowango mm -hmm. watershed, they are falling under DPF. And, you know, so there's a lot of moving parts. Um, when, when, when Brad was and I were discussing this back, uh, back in September, there's about t eight to 10 <clears throat> departments that report under, you know, the director of public facilities. And that's a lot um, for one person, especially come off the street and say, hey, you've got multiple moving parts, juggle them. You know, I, I sometimes, you know, liken it to juggling chainsaws and 
throw a, a hand grenade in there in the mix too and let's see what happens. So right. I really think this is a good way for everybody to help, you know, you know, many hands make lighter work. So I think, you know, that's, that's the approach we're going to use. And I think it's uh, going to be effective. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely is people sometimes don't grasp how big some of the departments are in county government. I mean, and then you think about DPF actually, you know, physically geographically covers a wide area itself too. So yeah, I mean, you mentioned getting away from COVID and we are, but, and mm -hmm. we are seeing, um, policy changes in the state with the last month regards to mask guidelines, as well as seeing decreasing numbers of case positive cases here in the county. So what's next? You know, what are, what is the health department looking at? I, I kind of been keeping an eye and trying to let listeners know about vaccination clinics. Didn't see anything recently for this week, I think here in this county, at least. But where where do we go from here? Well, you know, right now, the biggest I think what everybody's waiting for and my belief is in the next two days, we may hear something from the governor about schools. And, and and let's face it, you know, we looked at, when we look at our schools, it's about a 50-50 split. Maybe better, depending on what districts you go to. You know, some people say, keep the masks on. It's, But you know what, we are, we've, we've been here for two years. There have been some districts who stayed open when others were remote last year. They were in full session every day of the week we didn't see spikes we didn't see outbreaks we didn't see overwhelming concerns they mitigated they watched what's happening um now everybody came back to school this year in person and you know we have the masks at some point when do you take off the band-aid and when do you say let's take the training wheels off and start to ride this bike again because it's a fear we all have that fear and there's nobody that even as we talk about this in my COVID team it's not taken lightly it's not you know you know, rip off the mask. We're done. Let's. It's it's very thoughtful. It's very under you know science driven, and we're looking at it. But the numbers we're seeing are not indicating outbreaks in our schools. The schools have mitigated the situation, and and as this goes forward, we're going to ask parents to do the same. If your kids are sick, keep them home. Uh, do we have to put a mask on everybody? I don't believe so. You know, people are vaccinated. You know, the truth about the vaccine, we can't deny this. The vaccine does not stop the spread of COVID. It doesn't stop me from getting it. It doesn't stop me from spreading it. Um, very challenging. And I will, I'll share this because when uh, we asked several months ago in concert with our doctors who were very concerned that why are we targeting the healthcare industry? Why are we requiring them to have the booster and not anybody else? Because we know the vaccine didn't stop the spread. It protected the person who was vaccinated. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, I want the person drinking care of my mother or father in a nursing home to be vaccinated. They could still get it and they could still spread it. I understand wearing the masks and following PPE guidelines should prevent that. But the, the vaccine isn't going to stop that spread. And that's been noted. And when I said this to, you know, I said, we have a concern. It could potentially. And our director of Homeland Security said, County Executive Wendell, that's what healthcare workers said last time and they got vaccinated. So we're basically we'll we'll deal with that as it comes they're playing the law of averages and i think what they they realized at the 11th hour when the governor came out on friday several people and i've heard from several different healthcare facilities that either to terminate people or people had left because they weren't going to get vaccinated and then at the 11th hour you say well we're not going to force it without any indication to anybody without any thought to say, county executives, this is what we're going to do because it's going to impact you. Or county executive, Wendell, you brought this to our attention. This is what we're going to do. I could let people know. But instead, we roll this out as, oh, I'm going to part the waters and I'm going to do away with this booster mandate. 
how many people were affected prior to that? Because it was done at the 11th hour. It was done on Friday before people returned after the Monday holiday. Again, very critical of that. A little heads up would have been nice, but something other than, boom, we're, we're, we're shifting gears and we're not enforcing it. Meanwhile, that same day, Dr. Bassett's there urging people to get vaccinated and get boosted. It's, it's, it was hard. It was, a, it was a challenge. And unfortunately, um, it's something that was very difficult to hear. Excited, I guess, in a way that, good, we did you know, use some common sense. Um, and we have been doing this for two years. If we start to see outbreaks, we know how to take care of that. Whether it's our health departments, the schools, individuals, we know what to do. We need to start moving on and getting on with our lives. Still protecting everyone's safety. We're not going to, again, and if people, you know, last night there were people that attended and wore masks and some people, that's your prerogative. Um, but I think, you know, we need to get away from this. We need to get away from, uh, you know, the constant fear of, oh, what could happen if we get COVID? We know what could happen. We, depending on the person, you know, we don't know. I mean, that's the downside. We know you, you the survivability is much higher. Um, you know, right now this is, it really is a version of the common cold, and it's probably one of the most scientifically researched cold variations we've ever dealt with. Has it been fatal? Certainly. But at the same time, um, you know, there's been so much put into this, it's time to move on. And, you know, we're, if this is Mother Nature, we're not going to stop it. You know, we're, we're going to try to mitigate it as best we can. Um, it being just about March and mere days, we're anticipating the state budget is going to be passed. We, we, we hope it will be passed on time. Well, is there anything in that budget package that you're hoping for in terms of Chautauqua County? Well, I know there's been some uh, outreach to the governor for investment in Chautauqua Lake. And in part of that investment is with the Jefferson Project, a group that we brought in. It's a it's a three-lake or uh, a three-lake partnership between us, Lake, the Friends of Lake George and Skinny Atlas Lake. It's produced a great deal of research here for Chautauqua Lake, but also in that case, what we've done is we've requested $20 million with the Jefferson Project and, and private funding matching that. So if you give us 20, we'll match it with another 20 and put $40 million into this project. If I were the governor, it's a no-brainer. Um, the other project we've looked at and I've, had, I've, I've signed a letter of support for was the Brooks Memorial Hospital project that was started in the North County and has been kind of been stifled or halted since the COVID um, pandemic getting that funding back up and getting this project moving forward. Uh, really, you know, I, I've been in contact with Senator Borello and Assemblyman Goodell. Nothing really earth shattering, uh, you know, that's there for Chautauqua County. But uh, again, you know, the, the overall budget, you know, we are looking at certain uh, certain points as far as, uh, you know, I know through NISAC, we've been asking, you know, keeping the sales tax local, uh, you know, also not keeping, you know, taking away sales tax for distressed hospitals. Uh, you know, if your county doesn't have a hospital, you lose some of your sales tax for a distressed hospital that isn't in your county. So that's a push that we have. Uh, and I'd have to find out exactly how much, if any, funding we are getting if we do have a, a, a quote, distressed hospital. Um, so I don't know. I'd have to ask those questions. But again, nothing really jumping out at us. But, you know, again, moving forward, you know, when I took office, you know, we were looking at a several billion dollar deficit in the state budget. Now we're looking at a a, 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 I don't say a windfall, but we are looking, it's trending the other way of a surplus. So that's good. But, you know, it's also been infused by hundreds of millions or hundreds of billions of dollars in federal monies as well. So, uh, you know, hopefully the, you know, the pressure's on the governor to come out with a budget on time and we'll see. And the hard part is, I mean, let's face it, depending on what aisle, side of the aisle you're on, you know, it's the Dems, the Democratic Party has a super majority in both the House and the Senate. 
Um, you know, some Republicans are going to be, you know, making sure things are put in there. But we're hoping that this can be done in a bipartisan manner and really focus on the needs of all of New York, but um, especially here in Chautauqua County. I know our, our state representatives fight daily for us. Right. So uh, thinking about um, going back, it was one thing you, you were when we were talking about your state, state of the county address and you had mentioned about Chautauqua Lake and obviously Chautauqua Lake, important economic driver here in the county uh, and talking about infrastructure and everything. I, I, I always have to ask about what is, is there anything new going on with applying for infrastructure bill monies for projects like the, the the sewer projects that you hope to do well you know there is and after this we're having a meeting with a, a group out of uh, Washington that we've been in touch with um, kind of an exclusive availability uh, through our membership in the County Executives of America uh, that this group will be providing services uh, and it's a it's a group um, it's called Chautauqua or Kimi Capital Council Talking about Chautauqua County so much Capital Council and it is uh, comprised of appropriations people uh, attorneys, lobbyists, and they know how to, you know, get that across the finish line in Washington. My most troubling piece of this is there is still a lot of uncertainty as to how we get the money. You know, when you hear hyper-competitive grant opportunities, that gets very scary because depending on what kind of package you put together, those packages cost money. The grants applications cost money. So yes, is it an investment of investing $100,000 to bring in $100 million? Certainly, great investment. But that constant competition, it's, it's like the Hunger Games. You know, you come there taking whatever scrap they'll throw at you and be excited of what they give you. It, it's, it's, not, it's, it, it's not something that, that really, you know, pleases me. I just think that's a, a you make everybody grovel at the feet to, to, you know, what can you do? What kind of tricks can you do for me to give you this money? You know, I think we should have been, there could have been a formula of, you know, whether it's, you know, broadband or water or sewer formulations that come back to, you know, they did it with ARPA funding. You know, they figured out every state, every county, every town was able to get that funding. So why couldn't we do that with infrastructure? And obviously it's going to be much larger, but, you know, Chautauqua County, you've got $100 million of infrastructure. Let's pull it together. We showed we did a great job with ARPA. We can do it again with infrastructure. That's just not the case. So we are going to put those teams together. We are going to evaluate the projects and programs. And, um, you know, we are going to do our, our utmost to get as much of that money as we can. But it's put in so many different silos of, uh, you know, water or sewer or broadband or bridges. And it, there's so many different pots to pull from, you know, understanding, you know, where you qualify, what grant you qualify under, you know, like they're excited about Chautauqua Lake, but there's, there's really $900 million of the governor's budget focusing back on the governor, uh, a $400 million pot and a $500 million pot, you know, one on environmental and one on clean water. So where do we get the money from? You know, it's like with that uncertainty and there's still, you know, I, I spoke with our representatives uh, from NISAC that, uh, at the NACO conference last week, they're still talking about ARPA funding. We haven't really, they haven't even talked about the infrastructure yet because we're, we still haven't, you know, got to spend or figured out the ARPA plan in, in its entirety. So, you know, we tell people we will, we will, you know, fight tooth and nail for every penny we can get um, and make sure that our plans are ready. But it's just, um, you know, this bowing down, paying homage, you know, to those who have the money, it's, it's a challenging, we'll do it, but it's just not something that's very appetizing. 
Right. And the reason I keep asking about it is, as you've talked about so many times, is that that if you can get that federal infrastructure money, it has a direct impact on what you can do with the ARPA money, because that's $8 million for phase two. Of, and I'm if I'm a county legislator or if I'm in, you know, department, uh, any of the departments in county government, I want to know if I have more money to play with. So, Well, certainly. And that's that's one of the things we've talked about. And, and how fast will that turnaround be? That's what's, you know, and the hard part is, is do you, you know, do you spend that money or do you put all your eggs in one basket that you'll get the infrastructure money? It's a hard and, and, and it's a gamble that we have to look at, but it's nothing that is if it, if it is looked at in that sort of gamble, then we will make sure we we have every bit of information we have at our disposal before we make those decisions. But um, I don't like to gamble with the taxpayers money. I want to make sure we know 100 percent where it is and where it's going to go, especially where, in this case, where it's coming from. In terms of uh, anything else happening in county government or around the county that would be worth to know about, I know there's well, there's always stuff going on, but uh, anything else that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, we're, I think, you know, really when we look at restructuring, we talked about the DPF. The big one, too, is it finance. When you look at our finance department, our departments have multiple uh, fiscal people in each department. For example, we talked at finance cabinet. Um, one smaller department had, you know, three people out of the five that deal with fiscal uh, operations. So that 60% of their work staff is gone, you know, whether it was COVID or illness or vacation. So that group was pretty much shut down. And it was one of our, our more significant departments that, that does billing and, and other, other operations. So 60% is out. Well, they're, they're stuck. But if we have a department of 40 to 60 people and three people are out, work goes on. It's a, it's a regular day, you know, and we could, you know, again, many hands make light work. So, you know, everybody will understand how to bill not only you know the mental hygiene department or health and human services but we can mix back and forth and make sure our medicaid billing is cap capturing as much as we can and you know going back to you know again that conversation i had with chuck nazaro is understanding you know are we getting the most of our revenue from our reimbursements and for our billing so if 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 five people review a, a, a bill before it goes out and we're able to, oh I, we found this glitch or we found Great. That's it, that's the way things should work. Um, so we're excited about that. Uh, you know, decision or discussions. It'll take a while. I, I think we can do it quickly, but it's it's going to be a change. And the best part about that, it's something that people realize. Yes, that's a good idea. Um, so I'm excited about that. And again, not looking in terms of reduction of staff, but re, u, the utilization of the staff and making sure we're the most productive we can be. So I'm excited about that. And that's going to be a change, you know, we hope to see. And, uh, you know, we're looking around a couple of other, you know, we got a couple of things going on. We'll, we'll kind of announce when they go. I don't, you know, again, because as this and I've learned in the last two years, there's certain things I or we as a government can control and certain things we can't. So we just have to, you know, wait till all the pieces are, are there. I, the last thing I want to do is make a statement and, you know, everybody say, hey, it's going to happen. And all of a sudden, you know, the wheels come off at the 11th hour and, and the project fails or, you know, the, the lease agreement doesn't come through. So we're looking at everything, but a lot of moving pieces. And, and that's the exciting thing about coming to work every day is that, you know, there's always a challenge or something new. And But I've got a great group of people around me. I've got a great staff and every employee in Chautauqua County does a phenomenal job of providing services for our residents. Yeah, well, and the good news is we talk about once a month at the least. So if there is updates, I'm sure we'll be able to get get those from you at least on a regular basis. You bet. So, well, County Executive Bundle, thanks so much for being in studio with us. It's good to have you here in person. Awesome. I always love being here in person.